What's up, everybody? This is your man, G. Yep, Mediums the Podcast. We are back in the place to be, which is online, I guess. It's not really a place to be. Anyway, yeah, because I'm matter. sitting on my couch. Yeah, and I'm sitting in uh the our converted office slash bedroom at the house. So um, but yeah, we're in here today. Um last episode I completely botched the whole, you know, where you could find us thing. I'm not Ooh. even gonna attempt it today. I'm just gonna let Lissa do it because she actually knows what she's talking about. So Lissa, tell them people how they can they can catch up with us. So housekeeping, if this is your first time listening to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Mediums Podcast. Um, you can hit us up on our Gmail at mediumspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. that's right. <laughs> on Twitter. It, feel, it feels good when you mess up for some reason. because you. But I don't mess it. up the important information. It don't so. matter how important or unimportant so. it is. It <laughs> is a mistake. Us on, follow us on Twitter <laughs> um, at mediumspodcast. <laughs> At Medium Podcast. So, yeah, hit up our social media, um, all of that fun stuff. If you got some topics, if you got some people that we sh- you think that we should check out from an so artist perspective. Let, let's let's camp out there for a second. You know how what the sum total of recommendations people have given us for people who we should shout out is? Like zero. Zero. Like, I don't like I like, know y'all, y'all know us, people. Right. Y'all don't want us to discover your friends. Right. Like, 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 like we know, put y'all. Man? Right, we put on our friends. Golly, y'all selfish. Oh, maybe, maybe it's because they don't they want to shout themselves out and they don't want to feel like I mean, that's fine. We don't I'm, I'm good with that. If you like, you know what, y'all should shout me out sometimes. Because I might not know you. Right. So. I might not know all the stuff you do. You know what I'm saying? Just because you follow the podcast don't mean like I went and researched you. Like, come on, man. Like, y'all tell us who. Uh, uh, until, until then, I'm going to just pe- keep putting on the homies. How about that? Anyway, speaking of homies. I'm excited about you. today. Yeah, I transitioned that up real nice. Yeah, he is a former mediums moments. He is the one and only Birmingham's finest, the man Eugene Wright is in here with us. Yeah, what's happening? Happy to be here with you. I need to get like a uh, like a little applause sound effect. (laughs) I need to get like a applause sound effect when I start introducing people. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I'm gonna throw that in there. Uh, I said that last on one of our previous episodes that I was gonna like pipe in like artificial noises and and sound effects. I didn't do it, uh, <laughs> but maybe Clearly. I do. It yeah. Well, you know, like sound effects are um they're kind of cheesy, but like they they're good for effects sometimes. So maybe we'll try. that's why Whatever. they're called sound effects. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well played. Is, is is that why they're called sound effects? Because they're cheesy? Is that what it is? No, because you said that they're like you said something about the effects, and that's I why s- they're called sound effects. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I'm being mean to GI because I G- have to solidify. You know I have to solidify that I don't like him. So earlier this week, no, was it last week? She was um, no, I think it was like this week. She was trying to I kick me out of her top five. Days. She was trying to kick me out of her top five, and uh, it's not possible. It's impossible to do that. So whatever. So I since like then, she's been she's been like actively trying to be mean to me. To, to for some reason, like like that's gonna make me not feel like I'm in the top five. I'm like whatever. I'm in okay. I'm, 
I'm I'm good. Eugene is in my top five though, so I don't talk about Eugene. I don't care who else is in the top five. I don't care who else. (laughs) My name's in it. I ain't in it. Eugene is in my top five, so I'm very excited about today's episode because I really think this brother, like, I think he's immensely talented. That's a fact though. Yeah, absolutely. I right, even, so, so much so that I remember the first time I met him. It was that one. Yep, it was at um, Railroad Park at a trucks for trucks by the tracks. Yeah, I remember. And he was too. performing. <laughs> yep, and he was performing, and I remember that. I remember seeing you in the crowd. And I'm trying to think if I remember the first time. on the inbox, like, hey, I saw you at trucks by the tracks. That you did. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I remember the first time I met Gene. Let me think about that for a second. Um, I think the first time I met you was probably during the circuit uh, era. Oh, wow. Cats know what that is. I wasn't, and, I wasn't even finna go that far back. I was finna say something about that going syndicate lounge or something. Nah, nah, like. circuit era, high note yeah. lounge, and uh, yeah, the oh, thing that you were pushing yeah, at the moment was addition by subtraction. And I thought yeah, it was the sure was because you, you, you didn't have the dreads then. You was like, you was like baby yeah. um, dreads at that point. Well, you know, yeah. I had you, and I cut them yeah. off, and I was baby face. You know what I'm saying? Trying yeah. to preserve my youth, but that's that didn't last right. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> Golly, man, it's been a long time. Yeah, man. At least, man. I Let say, me see. I got back to Birmingham in 2013. Can that's I pause real quick? No. Hey, Eugene, how <laughs> old do you think Gi is? Um, he probably he's not old. Man. He's just a bunch of years young. How many is it a bunch of years? What do you think? I think I know. You gonna, I ain't gonna you throw gonna, it out there. <laughs> you gonna, you want to put in on the pool? 28. <laughs> I think you will very much lose. <laughs> 28. That's my answer. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Shout out to you. I don't, even, I don't even know the relevancy of this question is what I like. I don't know why everybody wants to know. Because we're still trying to figure out how old you are. Old enough to drive, young enough to not be on AARP. Are you like three years away or like? I'm a number of years away. <laughs> All right. So today. <laughs> I cannot draw social security. How about that? Oh, we know you're not that old. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. So we um, yeah getting back to the point of the conversation. If you're still listening right now, thank you for tuning in to uh, all of the shenanigans while Liz are trying to be me. We're going to talk today. About well, hold on. Before we get into all that, I want to let uh, Eugene tell the people what you got going on before we get into all of the. We'll, we'll come back and, and and kind of recap that at the end. But just talk to them about let, let them know who you are because I don't want to make an assumption that they are ignorant of who you are, even though if they don't know who you are, I don't know where they've been. But whatever, you know. And they definitely missing out if they well, don't know. Well, I like to start by saying I ain't shit yet, but I'm working on it. Sorry, I don't know. If we can cuss on this podcast. You can cuss as much as you want to. Bro. <laughs> There's, my bad, there's my no bad, censorship. My bad. What, so I know you have a it's a polished esteem when it comes to the media, um, the mediums uh, podcast. So I want that's you that's know, just me, my... Lisa. You know she hood. So <laughs> yeah, I ain't got I ain't got no coup. I ain't got no coup. <laughs> but that's that's what I would start out by saying. I ain't shit yet, but I'm working on it. But outside of that, um, man, I'm a creative. Um, I love the Birmingham uh, music scene. Um, I take pride in it, and really in the Alabama scene as a whole, um, everywhere from Huntsville to Birmingham, Montgomery, Mobile, all of 65. Like, 
Um, but what I do, um, I like to think to myself, think of myself as a, uh, I don't know, uh, I would probably say something like a, a creative idea factory, um, i.e. I feel like I just get shit done, um, whether that's, you know, helping create projects for myself, other artists, um, bring ideas to life, uh, podcasts, author, producer, rapper, poet, um, struggling singer, um, songwriter. So, nah, I just try to do everything I can within my uh, creative ability, a creative at best. That's that's how I would categorize myself. Um, I'm trying to transition into a space of, as much as I hate the term gatekeeper, um, I was talking to my homie about that last night. Um, I want to be a gate opener. Like, I want to find ways to expand this scene, help it grow. Um, you know, I feel like my job at this point is now, is you know, when we talk about culture, um, I like to link it to the word cultivate. And that's mm-hmm. what I want to do. I want to cultivate the culture, like help it grow. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the term gatekeeper has gotten a lot of negative connotations just because of the people who've been keeping the gates over the years. Um, so sure. I don't think that there's, there's necessarily an issue with the term. I just think it's been an issue with the people. Uh, so if we find the right people that are they're going to keep the gates, not because I like long like I think maybe I embrace the term because I've been given it so much. Um, but I don't I don't even I don't even consider myself a gatekeeper. yet. I don't know if I've earned that position. Right. But uh, it's definitely something that if if that's what I need to transition into to help the scene progress. And that's what I do. Uh, but yeah, no, that's what's up, man. Um, cool. So let's get into the topic, though. Uh, the homie Eugene in here, man from way back i've been on his podcast so shout out to him and what they got going on over at the sankofa suite you know what i'm saying sweet life sweet Uh, but um today we're talking about the artists um taking a break sometimes we just gotta take and i think it's a good time to have this conversation right because i think people are fixated during the uh the pandemic shutdown time of like we have to be hyper productive because we locked in the house. So let's, you know, we talked about that on the last episode, but uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's okay to take a break and it's necessary. So what are we feeling about taking a break? Lisa, have you ever had to take a break as an artist? I, I'm going to come to Eugene secondly, because we got a specific example from him, but have you ever had to take a break as an artist? Um, Absolutely. Uh, I actually do it more than I probably should. Um, I did it very much so when I first, um, like the first, after the first project that I released, I got a lot more love than I expected, which is amazing, obviously, but it was a little overwhelming for me. And um, I was putting myself in situations that I was not uh, socially able to handle because I am very much um, an introvert and like I find a lot of like social interaction kind of draining and I was putting myself in situations that like, just like socially, I just, I was on E. So I just, um, I got to a point where I think I remember I was out and somebody came up and they gave me a hug. I'll never forget this shit. Somebody come up and they were like, Lisa, and they gave me a hug and I was hugging him and he was like, you don't even know who I am, do you? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> it was that's like, so real though. And but for real, and that's why I said I was like, nope. And 
it was, and that was the thing I didn't know because I do multiple things. I didn't know whether he had seen me at a show and I had gotten to a point where I felt obligated to um, interact with people that knew me because I never want to come off as unapproachable to somebody who is inspired by my work or who considers himself a fan of what I do. So I always try to be extremely cordial, but that's not really my natural nature. So after that night, like, I was like, I ain't doing shit else, bruh. So, like, I really stopped. Um, I ain't do no more shows. Like, if I went somewhere, like, I'm just here to peep the scene and then I'm leaving. And um, if you ask me to do something, no, I ain't doing nothing at all. So, and it was, and so I just had to step back. And so when I, when I did that and I decided that I wanted to start working on my second project, I really had to use that time away to mentally prepare myself so that I could be more prepared for when the second project came out because I kind of understood the landscape a little bit more. So I really did. I had to step back and be like, uh, I can't do this. And I do that every once in a while. Like we, I think we've talked about it before where I just kind of get fatigued sometimes, whether it be with performing and stuff that I just need to be like, chill out. I just need to chill. But that was the first time that I took like a long break where I was just like, yeah, I can't do it. I can't do this. Hmm. I just felt way too accessible and I didn't like that. That's what's up. That's what's up. I don't, you know, I, when I think about it, like I take intermittent breaks, usually it ain't cause I want to though. It's just cause I ain't nobody calling. But, uh, I don't know if I've ever actually just said to myself, you know what? I'm just not going to do that. Like, I probably quit in my head every like couple of months. Be like, man, this ain't <laughs> worth it, bro. Like, what am I doing? Why, why am I still doing this to myself? Um, but I don't ever actually stop. Like, but I definitely have that conversation with with myself frequently. Like, okay, this is I'm just going. Before I got done with this uh, most recent project, um, if you haven't heard it, then you know shameless plug right now about versus the world. But um, before I got done with versus the world, I um. I told myself that was going to be my last project. And that's if you if you've heard the album versus the world, the song Heroes Die. I wrote that song because I was saying this was going to be my last project. Like that's going to be my finale to music was the song Heroes Die. Right. And I started writing that song with that in mind um, when I initially crafted this project and it morphed into versus the world. But um, but then I got into the project and I was like, ah, man, I love music too much. I can't leave. And I just kept writing and it turned into a whole album because it was only going to be like five songs. And yeah, so I, I've never actually taken a break. I just I, I shift my focus in different directions, but it always kind of circles back and I keep doing stuff in, in between time. I just can't I, I don't know. I'm addicted to doing music. Bro. I can't stop for whatever reason. So but that is not the case for my man, Eugene, because you took a whole year and you was like, man, I'll see y'all later, bro. Like, I'm just, which you were still performing in that time. But like, as far as like your, like, you, I'll let you tell your own story. Go ahead, bro. Talk. Right. So, and also trust me, I definitely understand that feeling of like, you know, that you spoke on with heroes. Now. That's, <laughs> that's a never ending thing. I think with artists, just because we have different visions of, you know, what we aspire to be you know and sometimes what the results can come out to be but like i said it's just a love for the music at the end of the day um so my situation when it comes to taking a break um i don't want to make it long-winded but um yeah time all... brother talking <laughs> so yeah I, I took a i took all of 2019 away from 
um, actively, you know, seeking uh, performances or trying to gain fans or release music. Like, I just removed myself from that aspect of the music um, to prepare myself for what I plan to do this year. Um, so to get to how we how I come about that idea, um, I used to live in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, when I went, I went to school at Alabama A&M, and Huntsville is a great uh, music industry-based city. Um, a lot of things I learned is that they have a system in place, whether that's how the um, radio stations, the record labels, the studios, uh, the fans, the publications, they all work with a certain unison. They understand industry design, and they have that workings on a local level. So I learned a lot, and I enjoyed that. But also in my time there, I became like a manic racehorse. Not racehorse, but workhorse. I was about to say, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, but it also was kind of like, uh, you know, racehorse shit, too. Like, just trying to, you like know. the blinders on type of thing? Yeah, just like n- nothing mattered. Like, it got to the point where, um, I mean, I definitely did a lot of my time there, whether it was guerrilla tactics of performing in the boutiques, uh different things like, you know, having them give out CDs, joining school organizations to do shows there, interning in radio, interning in studios. I did so much that it really almost made me a robot. I was just, like, used to work. It was, like, natural nature for me. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it was just, it was just normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that in mind, I also end up sacrificing a lot of other stuff. Um to the point where my niece and nephews were coming of age to where they can fully communicate. You know, babies just blabber and say whatever comes to mind. But then when they get to the point where they can start making common sense sentences, it became stuff like, hey, how come we never see you? Why you never come home? And those things, you know, weigh on the adult psyche in a different way. Um, Because that's family. That's nieces and nephews. And they like, you're noticeably missing. And if my parents, my brothers, my sisters, they understand what I'm chasing after out here. But at the same time, you know, they really don't care. They just want to spend time, you know, right? So I became this workhorse for like seven years from the ages of 18 through 25. Um, and in that time frame from leaving school, leaving my internship at the radio station, leaving studio internships, not signing certain deals, it was just like, yo, like I've ran my course in this city. I've done every single thing I can do. I've been on every single stage I could be on. It was like, I need to go back home because certain things are more important than music. Mm-hmm. It's a whole other story about my me and my dad's 25th versus 50th birthday party. But I looked at his life like, man, by now he had kids, cars, family, wife, and I ain't got none of this. I just got more esteemed accolades in music, which only I mentioned because my pops did music too. But I was like, I'm missing out on some part of life. So when I moved back to Birmingham at that time, this is, you know, post-circuit time when me and you first met. And I got back to Birmingham like 2014, and I was looking, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put out no music this year. That's the first time I had took a break since I first started rapping when I was like 14. I used to drop two projects a year. like. Yeah. So when I got here, that was the first time I took a break. And it was just like, you know what? I'm reconnecting with my family, my friends. Um, I'm in a better play, uh, place spiritually. Like It gave me time to, uh, to access and access assess life in a different way um, that I haven't had in a long time, you know, since I left as a teenager to Huntsville and then to come back in the city and actively be around family on an everyday basis, see friends, you know, help build stuff and work in close connection with people 
um, that gave me a different outlook. And at that time, I determined what was important to me. Um, so it wasn't about like getting the record deal anymore or being on the radio stations or being the number one artist or anything like that. It just became, the idea of success became making the music I want to make, how I want to make it, when I want to make it, with my control. Right. Um, and when those things became a priority, I found my formula. It's like, okay, I'm going to put out this album. And since then, I've been a habitual breaker, if that makes sense. But um, I have to tweak it every now and then. But I take a, I usually take the fall and winter off of every year, of every other year. Um, so my album will come out. I get on the road. I do shows, blah, blah, blah. do that throughout the next uh, year. And then when fall comes that following year, I shut down, go on another hiatus just so I can recalibrate because um, we'll get into that later I guess but yeah that's usually my pattern but 2019 I was like I'm gonna take the whole year because I want to do something big with my catalog of music so yeah and that's how we ended up in this space of the 2020 vision project and everything right right that's what I was about to ask next so like during that time though you were you took a break from certain aspects you were still kind of in strategy mode like it was a strategic break to be able to set yourself up for what you're doing right now with your 2020 vision project, right? Right. Or was um, that was that the idea when you stopped, or, or was it just like while I'm on this break, you came up with like, man, I'm gonna do this? Like, well, here's also where I was going with that because it leads us into that. Um, I never stopped being productive. Like anybody that knows me knows I preach productivity. I preach productivity over unity. Um, that's a whole another conversation, but. I believe in being productive, getting things done, and uh, having um, just having the work ethic there, no matter who's watching. So, but when you're an active artist, especially in our scene, it's a very close-knit culture. What I learned from the times of me taking my breaks and also my times of me being active is that when you make an album or a collection of music or any type of art and you're presenting it to the public, and in our arena, it's a very public and intimate space with people at shows, people that want to get to know you, people that want to do music with you, want to give you beats, want to do photo shoots, do videos and networking and everything that they tell you with this. You're, the art and the music itself is a, is a, uh, is a medium, uh, no pun intended, but it's a medium place where I'm comfortable with meeting people. But that's where it stops because I have a personal life on the backside. Right. And then... But when I'm giving myself to feed this medium space, it also takes away from the personal part that I need to hold on to in order to make this art. So I, that's the part that I learned to take a break at, you know, like, you know, I don't need to be on the scene or to be seen or to be on stage or to be that one that's actively turning the wheels in this system all the time. It's enough artists for every, it's enough artists out here for people to, you know, take their stab at that, let them, you know, garnish that and, you know, be the most viewed and everything. I don't always need to be actively seen doing what I do. And when I learned how to do that, it gave me my personal space back, but also because over the years I've built myself to a point where I can work without somebody telling me that, hey, you can't work or you can't record or you can't, you know, make a song here because... I do my own recording, so I can make right. music. I'm, I can make music every single day, but I don't have the pressure of having to give it to the public or to be on the scene or to be at this show or share this or stream that. You know what I mean? So I just shut down the access to people um, because 
that medium space, and I, I hate to keep saying that word, but that's the word that yeah. came to mind. But that medium place where the art allows people to meet me, that space gets closer and closer to my personal self the longer I stay in it. So I when think. I shut that down, it allows me to regain my personal space and still work as normal um, to create stuff and to plan, to execute, to calculate, so that when I do open back up this medium space for people to meet in, the parameters are changed and it's more comfortable for me as an artist because this has already been calculated before I open the door to let people in, if that makes Actually, sense. And I think that's um, like a difficulty for we as artists is trying to find a balance between our personal and our private um, just because usually the best art, and we've talked about this before, listen, I usually the best art comes from a very personal place. And so uh, it's hard to to feel authentic in the way that you share yourself with the listener, with the audience, with the whomever, regardless of whether it's music or you know whatever you're doing. If you're doing it, if you're sharing from that personal space, um, it's hard to toe the line between those two because you want to be able to open up that door and allow people to see the genuineness of your art. But at the same time, you have a struggle with wanting to feel like. As much as people, well, Lisa, you're not. You you said you were frustrated. Was it Summer Walker that got got on your nerves with that? Well, um, I was gonna kind of hit it in a different in a different manner to kind of touch on what you're saying um, because I experienced that, and one of the reasons that I did have to step back is because um, when I said that I had to get my mind right, I had to come to the realization that, um, and and it was something that I didn't understand initially. Um, because if you listen to my first project it is very, very, very personal. Mm-hmm. And I did not recognize really that people were having a personal experience with me, mm-hmm. but they don't understand that that it's one way. Right. So they feel like they I'm, know you before. Right. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they, mm-hmm. when I see them in, in a space, you know, and like, when I tell you, I'm writing about some intimate stuff, like I've written about like sexual assault and you know losing my brother and all kind of stuff that some of the most tumultuous things where they've connected on such an emotional level that they're like i know this person like i know them and i'm like but that's a one-way connection because i have no clue who you are and but you already have some kind of emotional tie to me and initially i wasn't prepared for that because it wasn't something that i ever expected it wasn't wasn't ever something that i ever calculated for like i didn't i wasn't that wasn't even a thought process for me you know what i'm saying in my head i was like yeah i really hope you know people feel this you know and if they like it they like it but that but that was something that i needed and when i stepped back i realized that the way that i not necessarily the way that i approached my art but the way that I presented it and allowed myself to be presented had to change in order for me not to experience that, like that social burnout in the same manner. So for me, that was what my stepping away was because it is, it is, uh, it is difficult. And like, yeah, we, I talk about some the my issue. It's not that I'm annoyed with Summer Walker because I think that there are social, like social anxiety is real. Like that shit right. is real. That is definitely real. But if if you are aware of that, like, and that's the thing, like, I'm aware of that. So, like, I will very much, like, do a show and then be like, I got to go. And even if it's just I need to, like, take 10 minutes and just, like, kind of disappear for a minute. And so when you're on that scene, 
you have to understand and kind of establish what your parameters are. And I feel like she picking, she was picking and choosing when her parameters. So like, for instance, when she canceled her tour, you canceled your tour, but you canceled your most intimate settings where there's not going to be as many people, but you kept all your huge shows. Mm-hmm. So like, to me, that didn't make no sense, especially if you're like, oh, I got to cancel all these shows because I have social anxiety. But you kept the ones that was like 10,000 people versus 1,000 people. Well, I mean, so, or, sometimes the more intimate settings, though, are the ones where you feel it the most. But I don't know, because then you have like in those 10,000, you have that demand for, okay, well, I paid my $100, so I need to have that meet and greet and things like that. So, and then when I was, and a lot of times it was because of what, like the stuff that she was posting and stuff. So it just didn't seem like initially I was like, this is authentic. I could feel that because I a hundred percent understand. But the more that like I followed her, I had to just stop following her on Instagram because it just didn't come off as authentic anymore. Like it just kind of like, oh, I'm going to just go where the money takes me type deal. And first you know what I'm saying? And for somebody and to see people that like actually experience that on a personal level and for me to have experienced that on a personal level, it just didn't seem genuine anymore. But everybody deals with things differently and that's why I stopped following her and I don't really like I mean, I listen to her, but I just be kind of like eh, now. Yeah, I, I've I've never um, followed her on Instagram, so I don't even have a, a, a frame of reference for that. But I do oh, know she a lot be, of people were, Yeah, so. she be. Yeah, she be about all the ratchetness. Oh yeah, it's probably. I'm not. I don't. I don't even. I don't even live in a ratchet like mindset ever. Like ratchet is so foreign to me. Like that is just. I don't even know what I would do with ratchetness. You know, that's that's more of uh, my man Eugene stuff. Hey, he ratchet like, and progressive. I'm yeah, he like he like that ratchet. <laughs> you know like that's not. I can't. I can't do it. Like I li- Like what? What do I even look like trying to be ratchet? Like, do you hear how I talk? Well, I wouldn't expect you to be ratchet, G. I, no, I you know, do you, you hear blazer for God's sake? So do you hear the you. enunciation in my words? What is ratchet right. sound like coming from me? That's just ignorant. Like I would, I would sound like the biggest fake in the world. Like what? What do I? I anyway, yeah, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> but yeah, so okay, but definitely um, feel what 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 we're talking about with the whole situation of like. I don't I don't get social anxiety, which is which is weird because I am I am far from a social butterfly. Like when I'm in situations where I know people, I open up really big and I can be whatever. But if I'm in a space where I don't really know very many people, like I'm to myself, like I go to shows and I will like chill in the back corner and just like be as try to be as inconspicuous as possible in those spaces like I and it's not because I don't enjoy it but like I'm not one of those people who gonna be up at the front of the stage and hyping my homeboys up like I'm just gonna be in the back chilling and and I don't know like that's just my thing but I don't get anxiety for real I just somebody told me to stop saying I don't like people because they're like well if you don't like people why do you expect people to support you but I'm just I mean people see and I, I think know. that people and you know and I think that people miss like misunderstand like what that means when I say it. Cause I say it all the time. Like, I don't like people. And it's not that I don't like people. And a lot of people, like, even no, if that I don't like people, and it's not that I don't like, it's not that I don't like people, but it's the fact that every, okay. So like I saw somebody post about how, um, about introverts just being like socially awkward and weird and stuff like that. And I said, it's not that at all. You can have an introvert that can go in and like 
it's, it's not about that what they don't know. It's like, not, that's the thing. That's what right. people don't understand about. It's, it is, it's really about what energy. Some people are energized by by being around a lot of people. Right. See, and other for me, find energy in that. It actually drains you. Exactly. So it's like for me, like if I have, say, if I have three shows in a weekend, right? I have to know that I'm not going to go out for like a week before that and a week after because it's going to take everything I have to get through those three days of social interaction. That's like because my no it's like every show policy because I know my vocal cords can't deal with it. <laughs> and so it's like every handshake that's a bar and it goes down. Every yeah. hug, every and it's not that those interactions aren't genuine, but it doesn't mean that they are not draining. So I'm by such the a time rapper, I like the minute you were like, "That's a bar," I was like, I was like Ooh. "Was it a bar?" No, no. <laughs> I got what she meant though, and I was just like, "Yeah, like a health bar, bro." Like, you know, yeah, like, I know, but like, like it took me half a minute. It, I, I, I definitely got it afterwards, but like when she was like. Every handshake, that's a bar. And I was but, like, what? You giving people bars in the crowd? It like, is bro. a bar, though. Like, <laughs> Bruh, if I could give bars, don't you think I would have been dropped more mixtapes? You do got bars, though. You got like, bars. Hold on. Don't hold that against yourself, because can't nobody keep up with my catalog. I'm just going to throw that out, though. Because <laughs> <I'm just, laughs> hey, you just released something yesterday. I don't, I don't you? know. O Ozu might just... be able to go with you a little bit, though. He might I mean, be the only don't one. Me wrong. Ozu is the hardest working man in uh, the Birmingham music scene, and he deserved that just do. But me and Ozu been down since, like, 2008, so he know how I get down. I didn't yeah. say no, you just released something stuff yesterday. Eugene, right? Yeah, I did. Both of y'all, both of y'all work super hard. I'm just saying, like, I don't, he might be and the only person jobs. who can go catalog. Yeah, catalog with you. yeah he works. He works super hard, but yeah. he just ain't got the catalog I got. I mean, because oh. you know this traces back years so before yeah. Genius, before Envy the Beast, before Mafia Boy. Like I've been active on the I scene see. for a long I time. See. But I, I, I definitely am not trying to enter that conversation. It, it, <laughs> I dropped my last album in 2012, and then my most recent one, I, I took an eight-year span between dropping albums. So I'm not, I can't even begin to end the conversation on who works harder at releasing music. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. The catalog has not the work ethic thing. But, no, I know, feel you. Like I said, I was who probably, that, like I said, he the hardest working cat in this city, um, in my opinion. I just got a deeper catalog, so I ain't want listen to feel bad about not dropping mixtapes. <laughs> no, I'm talking about my rapping ability. I ain't talking about me. You are a rapper, bro. I'm not. You're not a rapper. You're not a rapper. No. You're an artist, but you can't rap. No, I can't rap. Nah, she don't. She don't rhyme with her stuff, so it ain't really rapping. No, I man. can't rap. But she's spitting. one day. One day I'm gonna get a ghostwriter. One day. Let me. Can I hop in on the? Uh, you know, the people point real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I did yeah. have some thoughts that came into mind. So um, I do understand that too. And I feel like uh, what people don't understand is that people, when we say people or you don't like people, that means we don't like a mass of people. But certain certain individuals out of the people take it personal. And it's mm -hmm. like, I may not be a people person, but I'm a better person's person. Like, I'm better in the one-on-one -on -one interaction than dealing mm -hmm. with a large audience. Because like you said, you like to be in the back. Like, I'm cool with being up front, slapping the stage, because I enjoy being a fan, you know, up front for my homies as well. And being act being the active fan. A lot of times, support don't got to be loud. I get that, too. Um, but I feel like the thing when we, like, when we get to that point of where it becomes too much to, you know, deal with, is when 
from an introvert's perspective, I like to think I'm an introvert sometimes, um, is that when we have to be the center of attention, mm -hmm. that is the draining piece of it because it's like I can't consistently give energy to everyone in the room. Right. You know what I mean? 24-7. When, when we talk about a mass of people, one-on-one, -on -one, bet two, three people, I can make that happen. We talking about 30, 50 people, 100 people every night, like, that's where it becomes draining because I know I'm here to entertain, but I also like have messages, content, and all of that in the music. And it's hard to relive these moments and express them and try to make sure every last one of y'all connect to that. That's exactly. The part. And then I think that people forget that you are a person. Yeah, right. they do. And so they and see so, you as Lissa Lou. Correct. Well, and then not only that, it's like they think, okay, like, oh, and, it's, and I don't know if it's the same for y'all, um, but, like, I know for me... I mean, both of y'all are more popular than me, so no. I didn't ever, shut lives. up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> on the BT, <laughs> Selma March, right. Ball. <laughs> right. Get out of here. Um, so, like, I know for me, like, every... Like you were saying, you're trying to get people to connect. And so it's like every time... I think people think that, like, you get up there and you're a robot, you do those pieces and it's done, like, okay... I'm, I know I'm going to cry during this poem. I know I'm going to yell during this part. I know I'm going to like sigh weird during this part. And then so they think that it's just like this automatic response. And like, I know for me, I don't care if you come to a show three nights in a row and I do the same five poems. Each, each of those nights, you're going to have a different experience because mm -hmm. each of those nights I might connect with that piece differently. I'm going to spit each poem differently. And things like that. I mean, I know G.I. didn't hear me spit some pieces, like, I don't know, probably like 50 times at this point. And I don't know if he can attest to that, that every time it's different. Like, the experience is different. So it's not an autopilot thing. And I think that a lot of people forget that there are human emotions and human experiences attached to that inner, that thing that you find entertaining right. that you totally forget about when you are just bombarding me when I leave the stage and yeah. expecting me to be like, Hey, what's up? How do you do it? Right. Like, bruh, I just, it's, hard. I it's, just, it's definitely hard. Like, like I just got finished crying. I ain't prepared for this. I need <laughs> a minute. Like I need a second. I need to get my shit together. I didn't just make that happen. Like I really remember what it felt like when I watched that motherfucker walk out the door and break my heart. Like, I'm, I'm feeling that right now. I need to breathe for a second. Yeah. And I think that people forget that. But they want us to know that they connected with that thing. So it's like, you want us to know that you connected with it, but you forget that I'm really feeling that. And right. so it's weird. And I had to, and that's one of the things that I've, when I do step away, that's kind of, that experience is what I'm stepping away from. I think that's the that's the the plight of entertainers though. Like people feel as if you signed up for my adoration, and so you get to experience my adoration in whatever way I want to give it. Like they don't really like I, I see this with like professional athletes all the time, where you know like people in the crowd saying wild crazy stuff to them, and then they react and want to go in the crowd arguing or jump in the crowd fighting somebody, and they're like, "Oh, wait a minute, what are you doing?" Like, no, that. Like I'm a person. Like I, I understand that this person, is my job. Like my heartbeat. <laughs> right, but like you don't just get to say whatever you want to to me because I play for a professional team that you don't like. Yeah. You don't get to, you know, you don't get to be in my space just because I decided to come to your town and do a show. 
you don't get to like that's not that is not what you i didn't sign up for that i signed up to share my art they feel like since they paid the price of admission they own the aspect of the entertainment and it's like right yo you pay for entry but at the end of the day i'm doing what i love that does not negate uh my ability to feel this way even if i'm doing what i'm loving like yeah that's crazy so i um story time with gi bloom 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 so i went to uh <laughs> i went to atlanta uh shoot what year was this doesn't matter it was some i'm not a fan i went to atlanta some years but it was, i didn't go to perform i was going i went to actually go see big boy at masquerade right so i went to go see a big boy show at masquerade really dope show um and uh, my wife got the tickets for us. She got the whole uh, meet and greet ticket package, right? So, like, after the show, got to go to the back area after the show with Big Boy. So, he's in his uh, his tour bus. His tour bus is where they're doing the meet and greet. So, we're standing outside, you know, good amount of time to get inside to go chop it up with Big Boy. And I get in there to, like... I'm, you know, you get into the, they only let like five people in at a time. Like one person goes up, takes a picture, da da da. So like I'm in there and it's like three or four people. I see them get up there and he like dapping them up, stop, take a picture, da da da. Cool. I get up there and he's on the phone the whole time. Like literally only took the phone down to like lean in for the picture and then went back and started talking on the phone again. I was like, dang bro like i literally pay extra money to come in here to beat you and you didn't even stop your phone conversation to do that. and i felt hurt by that but then i had to remember he i he what i was paying for was that picture not i wasn't paying to be his homeboy for the next you know 20 minutes it was to take a picture with big boy and keep it moving right but i did feel some kind of way about that for a minute but then i had to think back about like you know he's he just got done performing like he don't He's being nice to even allow people to come into this space and do that because we're in his tour bus and all this kind of stuff. So it was kind of crazy for that moment where I was just like, man, like I, I really felt like Big Boy just kind of like brushed me off for a second. Like his his tail, like she was kind of like mad with him, too, because she was just like, yo, man, what are you doing? Like you're supposed to be da da da. But it was just weird. It's super weird for it to be in that space of like, I, I kind of know what you feel like. But at the same time, um, can you get off your phone, please? <laughs> so, I don't know. so can I uh, share something similar to that? Yeah, talk. So, uh, Isaiah Rashad came here for a show um, a few years back. Yeah, and that was that syndicate, right? Yeah, and I bought the meet and greet pass for it. And I stood in line. There was a few people in front of me. And if you know Isaiah Rashad, you know he's not, I'm not saying not like people friendly, yeah. but He's a certain he has a certain energy about himself that you can tell mm-hmm. through the music of just like a don't give a fuck attitude halfway. Right. You know what I mean? So um I'm literally watching watching people notice that. I'm noticing that as people are going up to take pictures, you know, shake hands. Of course, women want to hug when they take the picture, dudes want to dap up in the picture and everything like that. And I'm just looking at the energy and I think that well, yeah, it was some of his homies. They was like, "Yo, you kind of look like YG Tut." So it just kind of gave me an opening, and we were just talking because YG Tut is with the house, his production team, whatever. Yeah. But, but by the time I got up there, it's like, "Damn, bro, you do look like Tut." And it got to the point where everybody was just like, "You know, I I saw everybody before me going like, I love your music,' or I'm such a fan,' blah, blah, blah." And 
that's that admiration piece we were talking about. And it became mm-hmm. so normal to him that he didn't even care when people said it. I could right. see that in the energy. But when I got up there, I didn't even want to take the picture. I just dapped him up, and I was like, hey, man, have fun tonight. And he was just like, man, I really appreciate that. And it lifted his energy, his mood. And I think from there, from him to see me in front of the crowd, it gave him energy for the show. Like, And I could see how he was engaging with me, like rapping with me, dapping me up after he finished songs and stuff like that. It just put him in a better place at night. So I think we as artists understand the dynamics of that whole backstage or access, picture pass thing, whatever, um, a little bit better than most people. But when it's received, that can be very refreshing. Right. Um, I wish more people understood that dynamic. Like, yo, you got two minutes. Let's say something real. Let's say something encouraging so that it helps uplift this artist because they're getting a repetitive, mundane... Like, people hate the repetition in their day job. Like, he's hearing this every two, three minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And he can't even tell what's real and what's not real, even though it's real to the person that's saying it. You know what I'm saying? Like... Yeah, but it, it loses its it, it loses its sense of like like the first couple of times you hear it probably it's like oh man this is really dope and then but like after you hit stop number ten it's like okay yeah thank you can we just get this over with yeah and I think those are the type of things that can drive artists to want to take a break and step away you know what I mean yeah or you about to say something Lisa oh, your audio cut out say it again. No, I didn't have nothing to say. Oh, all right, cool. Um, so we're getting close to the end, but I just want to kind of take it from the opposite direction really quickly and pose this question. Do we feel as if um, there is a bad side? Is there a reason, like, is the negative side of taking that break, is there a negative to it? Like, or is it all positives? Like, every artist should de- definitely take a break because it's <clears throat> a, a, a wonderful thing for you. Is there a bad side to that? Um, well, I, well, I'll jump in first and then I'll let it kind of close out with Eugene. But um, I know one thing that I do kind of fear, especially right now. So like you could say I'm on a break right now because everybody knows it by this point that I've been kind of struggling to write and be creative and stuff. And one thing that I, I that kind of scares me is um, I worked really, really, really hard to gain a name for myself in my arena and with this lull that I'm having my biggest fear is that like that hard work is in vain because it'll be like if I do if and when I do put out another project it's going to be like is it going to be like me starting from scratch or will people still be like oh yeah I was waiting for Alyssa to come back if it will be like that or will it be like damn I gotta start all over and it's going to be all the grunt work that I did, all the traction that I have made, you know what I'm saying, that like all of that's gone. And so I think that that for me, that that's that's one of the things that kind of scares me. Mm-hmm. And I know like when I took the break between the first project and the second project, I knew when I came back, I had to come like and I know gee, you GI, you and I had this conversation that I was like, I'm adamant about giving people something that they didn't experience before. Mm-hmm. And so like, I knew when I came back, what the goal was kind of like, okay, this is what I'm doing when I come out. It's going to be fucking like, just guns blazing. It's going to be like, damn, I understand why she was gone. 
Right. And so it kind of scares me that I'm going to have to do that all over again type deal. And all that traction that I gained is just gone. And so that's a scary thing. And I think that that's a down, somewhat of a downside because you do, especially if you kind of know the scene. I, for me, it's a little bit easier because there ain't, it ain't like there's 50 million poets running around Birmingham. But, and especially poets that do what I do specifically. Um, but still, like, you still want to like have a little bit of a buzz and you don't want that buzz to be completely gone. Right. I feel it. What about you? Um, so I'm on the side of the fence. I feel like every artist should take a break with consideration of knowing what they want from it. Um, what I found is that, you know, you have to give people a chance to uh, miss you. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? To uh, because when we talk about a uh, you know a, a regional scene, a local scene, regional scene, whatever you have, um, the thing that it's this weird dynamic because we're always readily available and accessible. Mm -hmm. It makes people depreciate the value of what you do. Right. Right. So um, I'm all for artists taking a break and stepping away. My thing is use the time of your break wisely. Um, and when you break, break. Like, you know, like for me personally, I felt like, you know, I spent a lot of time looking at my phone, checking social media, posting a lot. That used to be my life and stuff. So when I break, I shut down social media. I, you know. I'm not even looking to see what's going on there. Like, I really step away from being seen, having a comment, having an opinion so that I can recenter, refocus. And, you know, that also helps my work. That helps my art because now it's not based off of what's trendy, what's current, what's popping, who's doing this, who's doing that. It's really what I want to do. And there will be sacrifices that come with taking a break just as it does with, you know, staying the course. Um, you stay the course, yeah, you get more followers, you get more popular, you're more active, you're more seen, you're more noticed, you know, that can translate to more shows and everything that comes with that. Um, but also when you take a break, you lose a lot of those things, but you gain a lot of the peace, a lot of the uh, privacy, a lot of rest, um, a lot of your well-being as a person that makes it able to work on the other side. Yeah. So it's a trade-off and just knowing you know, when is the good time for me as an artist to take a break? When is the best time for me to come back? How do I want to present it? What steps do I need to take to make sure I can present it that way? You have time to like plan that outside of, you know, um, outside of the public. Um, so yeah, that's my, that would be my, my take on it. You know, take your break, but also, um, calculate it, you know, know yeah. what you want it to be when you do come back. Yeah, that's, I think that's one of the things that I struggle with. Like when I, I, I say I, I've never I've never taken a proactive break, but I was not on the music scene for a while just because of work. Like when I was doing politics, I didn't have the ability to record and do music like I was we were working 17, 18 hour days, six days a week. Like there was no chance I was writing raps and performing during that. And that was almost five years of my life nonstop. Like I was just jumping from one campaign to another. And so, like, when I did come back to music, 
I felt as if I had to start completely over. Like the, the whole scene was completely different when I got back to Birmingham in uh, 2013. It was not the same people doing music. The same venues weren't like you think about how we were doing music back in 2014. Right. Eugene? Mm-hmm. Like if someone were to have left Birmingham in 2014 and come back in 2019, it's a completely different scene. Yeah. It's different players on the scene. The venues aren't even the same. The promoters yeah. aren't even the same. Like it's a com- like you don't even know where to jump into that stream and get started. So like that's, I mean that was a, that's a long time to be taking a break, but still, um, that's I think that's one of the biggest dangers. Kind of echoing what both of you have said is like you you lose that uh, that immediacy of kind of knowing what the flow of stuff is and people seeing your face and being familiar. Like it you, that familiarity goes away and they start because people's attention spans are short so they turn their attention to somebody else it's like okay well i can't look to this person for this let me find somebody else and then now that's the person who they're going to can i add something else their, on there I'm whatever sorry. that is they become the person who's getting the phone calls say again so i, I wanted to add something else on that too um because my thing would be trust your art in that like that's probably the most important piece trust your art because um, I forgot the quote, and I ain't trying to sound deep, but it was just like, you know, uh, paint and colors is how we decorate space. Music is how we decorate time. Um, so whatever it be, especially if it's some type of recording art, in my case specifically, trust the art. Because people, when they hear those things again, or when they hear your name and it resonates, you know, mm-hmm. the people who will resonate to you once again they have that that connection for them still lives in their memory of right. your art you know what i mean so and that that makes them long for more so even if you do take a break and come back trust that your art that you put out there in the first place is going to be justifiable enough for them to come back so whenever i make the art you know i try to make sure i give my best effort so that when i do take a break and i come back they remember why i'm worth checking out for sure you know and at the end of the day hey if they don't they're just missing on some good art. It's all right with me. But cool, cool, cool. All right. So um as we close out, let's go circle back. I told you just gonna give you an opportunity again to tell the people what you got going on. You've got uh this is May, right? Yeah. So Yeah, I think so. Your your five <laughs> your five EPs into the year. So yes. talk to the people about what you got going on twenty twenty vision project. Yeah, so the twenty twenty vision project. I usually lock myself away and I make an album, but that's like one of those long chalkboards that they doing like quadratic and space equations on. And I don't, I didn't want to do that. So the 2020 vision uh, project is a conceptual idea that is um, evolving with time. So each month I drop a different pack um, in a series of projects. And it's really like three singles. Each pack has a different theme, um, very micro ideas. Um, but each month you get a different pack of records and we're in month five. I was going to do the whole year 2020, but I was like, you know what, let's just go 20 for 20 and we're going to do 20 packs until August of 2021. So this is month five of 20. Um, So yeah, there's a new pack that came out today called the cloud chaser. Well, it's not called the, but cloud chasers with my homies, the monastery. Um, We always collab and, it's always fun because they got high energy. You know, my knees and ankles ain't built for that no more. But I like, <laughs> but I like doing shows with them to feel like I'm young still. And the music is very uh, reminiscent of that energy. Um, but yeah, check that out from them. Um, also check out y'all. Want to say yeah? We got to check out y'all. Check out my friend D Skills. That is my best friend. I think he is the. Did he most, drop? 
Yes, uh, but oh, it's exclusively okay. on Bandcamp right now. Um, so yeah, he's dope. Life and Times of Radiant Child. That's an album I got to record for him, um, and he's just a phenomenal uh, artist. Like he's probably he's my favorite rapper of all time, um, and not just because he's my best friend, just because I think he's that damn dope. But uh, check out his project uh, that was recorded with Sankofa Sweet. Other than that, uh, our podcast, the Sweet Life Podcast, is going to get back to our shenanigans tonight. Um, yeah, and check out everything Sankofa Sweet. Just making a, a creative con- creative culture company. That's what we try to do. And check out the merch because the merch is really good. Yes, merch too. Sankofasweet.com. They, they sweatshirts are so amazing. <laughs> They're so nice. It is the coziest sweatshirt I have. Thank you. I appreciate it. It is such that. a good sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, uh, we about to get up out of here. I appreciate the homie Eugene Wright for coming through, having this conversation with us. You know, as always, I am the man, G.I. And this your girl, Lisa Lou. Uh, you can check us out on all the places. Just rewinds back to the beginning because I'm not going to say that junk over again. Because he um, doesn't know them. Because I get it wrong and I don't feel like messing <laughs> up. Like, so I get over it. You know, whatever. Oh, if you listen enough, you know the stuff. I didn't mean to rhyme, but. Bars. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. We out of here. Until the next time, y'all go create something.